Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you. And we bring aboard daily face-offs. Frank Saravalli, one of the most plugged-in men of the business. His appearances are brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? Pretty good, Bob. How are you? Good. Look, uh, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to talk Oilers, we're going to talk Leafs, and then we're going to talk about what you did last night because it was okay. pretty cool. So uh, I'm going to read you a text because uh, you're going to laugh uh, on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. It's from Andresito out of Nelson, B.C., uh, who uh, I have a sister living in Nelson, B.C., by the way. Uh, actually, she, Is it her? Uh, no, I don't think she's Andresito. Uh, she, do you remember Aaron? It, da- co- it, it could be her uh, nom de plume. Is that yeah? Uh, do you remember Aaron Dowdy, the fighter that played for Detroit? Yes. Yeah, she married uh, Aaron's younger brother. So okay, yeah. is he also tough or? Uh, not as actually. I, I don't think Aaron's the toughest one of the Downey boys. There's oh. there's two older Brager brothers than him. And so I was the cruiserweight amongst the five of them when they were there. Ooh. Like they, they were. That's big, a crew right there. That's you're rolling with some heavies. Uh, the the two of them played lacrosse and were like six foot two and two hundred and thirty pounds. I was let's just put it this way: I was only going to have to fight the t- the fourth toughest guy in the bar if there were any problems. So I was quite comfortable with that. That's never a good thing for uh, you know if you if you have to be in that situation, Frank, where you're the toughest. It's like. Uh oh, where's that six foot four boy from Camrose? Well, we had about three of them from the Downey family, so there yeah, you go. And Bob, you have a very specific set of skills, so I'm sure you would have no issue if called upon. There are things I did a long time ago that I promised my wife that uh, you know I wouldn't go down that path again. Yes, indeed. But for you, Eric Francis, I am willing to make a little bit of a. <laughs> Ooh. Just joking around. That was a line I used on Eric one time. Who, by the way, is with Horse Racing Alberta as well. There you go. So we, we had some fun with that. You've seen that, right? You know, people know what that's from. The specific set of skills, and you know, for you, I'm you know, I promise. Yeah, there we go. We got it. All right, here we go. The text says from Andrew to Nelson, BC. I think more and more people are catching on that the National Hockey League is a bit rigged. Bettman has been there since 1994. No Canadian team has won under his reign. Probably the final four this year, Florida, Carolina, Seattle, Vegas. Wow, Bettman's dream four. At what point is this not tin foil hat stuff? Also, Bob, have you ever seen a team win a cup playing as inconsistently as the Oilers? I haven't. The Oilers have to play more consistently. I don't think Batman cares who wins. I don't. I, I, but I, I will say, Frank, last night, in the first, like the Oilers were poor. They had a poor performance, not good enough across the board. All that being said, when the game was 1-1, to me, there were two obvious calls that would have probably been called in the first two games of the series 
You know, uh, Nicholas Hag stepping up on Zach Hyman. Hyman's not on the ice today. He was obviously compromised after. Certainly looked like a knee-on-knee hit to me. And then later in the game, uh, so that was with 6.30 left in the first, 4.30 left in the first, they talked about eliminating the cross-check from behind, right, That it, at the start of the year. Bouch, Howden comes in and just drills Bouchard with a cross-check. Those are penalties. They don't call them. And even you know, even on the two-one goal, the fans lost it because Yamamoto got high stick back behind the goal. There was moments yesterday where I thought like the officials didn't want to influence the game by making putting Edmonton's ridiculous power play uh, on. Uh, what did you say by the way about the level of officiating this year a couple weeks ago? I don't think it's ever been worse. And I know that we engage in this conversation every year. It feels like not me and you, but as a as a hockey world. It seems like once you hit the playoffs, it goes to the next level in terms of the complaints about the officiating. I don't know how many paths the NHL has to fix it, like what they can do, if anything. I think in some ways they need to rewrite the rulebook a bit, but that's a story for another day. But what I will say is the first step in any process, whether it's a 12-step process or something else, is admitting you have a problem. I think one of the things that drives me crazy about the NHL is they can never admit fault. They've never done anything wrong. And so the idea that their officials make mistakes, it's a completely foreign thing to them from the public sphere. They don't get it. They don't they don't see it. They don't believe it. All you hear is we have the best officials in the world. And the truth is like you probably do have the best hockey officials in the world, but what does that what does that mean? It's just guys that have ascended to the highest rank. Um, the NBA, the NFL, like they vastly, um, I think, exceed the the norms at least in terms of what the NHL has shown in transparency in having a conversation, yeah. a real conversation about hey, we got something wrong. And it's okay to admit that we got something wrong. The funny thing is about all this, Bob, and you know this, they do all of this with their officials behind the scenes anyway. These guys are graded uh, after every game. They're shown what they make, what they did right, what they missed. They have a conversation about it. There's a series supervisor. So why not just engage with the public and admit when you've made a mistake? It's okay. We all do it. Yeah, uh, you know, and and again, I don't want to take away from the fact that Edmonton did not play well, but yeah, part of Edmonton, part of it. right? But Ed, part of Edmonton's modus operandi is they can intimidate through the power play. And, well, and you can also have the power play bail you out on a night when you're no good. Right, and they so we're sitting there in the first period in a tie game, two, two pretty obvious. We heard people saying well, the Yamamoto one was worse than the other two. None of those get called, and it was the way they waved them off, too. Uh, you know, and I was just like, oh, I can see what's going on here. And Cam Sharon yeah. put that tweet out on the declining amount of power plays as the series goes on for teams with good power plays, and he did a study over the eight previous seasons. And, and that, that was... work has been really good. We've talked to Cam on, on my show on Daily Faceoff about that. It's amazing when you look at the graph, isn't it, of how few penalties are called in Game 7? Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, so you talk about consistency, but for historically, the number of penalties in games one, two, three, and four has been pretty steady. Yes, 
and then it drops precipitously. And yes. who does that favor? Well, if you got a team like the Oilers with a record-setting power play, and and really they didn't they didn't get two full power plays. They had one full power play in yesterday's game when they're down five one. I mean they're five and eleven on the power play in the series. And two of them have been in garbage times in games when they're, you know, anyways, the bottom line is... Here's what I want to push back to you against, and it's a real small thing. If you were to look at the first two games of the series, was Vegas not the most or one of the most disciplined teams in the regular season? They were, and they were shorthanded nine times. And did the Oilers have more power play opportunities than typical in the first two games? Yeah, well, Vegas also tried to run the Oilers' show in the final period of game two. They ran around. I'm not saying you're wrong or that the penalties weren't penalties last night. All I'm saying is sometimes those things even out. Totally even out. Totally even out. series. Totally. But it did play a factor last night, and I don't want to take the heat off Edmonton because everybody knows the Oilers got to play a lot better. So Edmonton's down two games to one. They got game four at home. Who's in a worse position, the Oilers or the Maple Leafs down three Cobb in Florida? Did you say the Oilers? Who's in a worse position, the Oilers or the Maple Leafs who are down 3 nothing uh, with game four in Florida? Is this even a question? Can you? All right. Are you? So in the in <laughs> Toronto, come on, you got to bring the heat a little better than that. All right, in Toronto, yeah, the, 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 the Leafs have been an absolute disaster. I, I had to make sure I heard it right because I'm like, the Leafs guys haven't even shown up yet in the series. It's great. I, like they're the, done. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them roll over. Really? I mean. I, I understand. I saw the comments from Mitch Marner today. We don't care what you guys think. We're just talking about the belief in our room. I I have talked about this before the series started, saying that the biggest concern I had for the Leafs was their ability to park winning one round. Yeah. The emotional high and celebration that came with that, you have accomplished nothing. Yet your team, your manager, your city – Everyone around you, and look, passion's good. Celebrate. I don't. I'm not going to knock Major League Baseball players who have a champagne party every time they win a round in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but when that has been built up all season long, win one round. This team's got to win a round. Got to get over the hump, and then you do it. There's bound to be a sort of letdown that comes from that, and then when you add in the fact. That part of the reason why this whole push to win one round existed was because everyone knew the Boston Bruins would likely be waiting on the other end of it. A team that set an NHL record for wins and points. It was like, yeah, winning one round would be nice because we have to play the Bruins. And someone did you the absolute favor of all favors (laughs) as the eight seed and knocked off this historically great regular season team in round one when they were trailing in the final minute of game seven, and you come out and you spit the bit like they've done in the first three games of this series, it's it's also unforgivable how much they've been outworked. Yeah. You know, I can understand, you know, sometimes you get goalied or lack of whatever happens. Things happen in games. It's random. But for the Florida Panthers to outwork you with your season on the line on Sunday is unforgivable. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Their core four have not scored in the series. Um, In the Leafs' five previous games, they've scored 10 goals. Going into last night, Drysaddle had scored 10 in his five previous games. 
Uh, and even last night, I had a couple. Oh, look at there's Dry Saddle. He's he's on like he's undisciplined. Like guys are tweeting, and I'm like, you don't get it. He's got some you know what in him when things don't go well, and he, you know he's not What's take, some fire that he's, none of the Maple Leafs guys have. Oh, <laughs> you know, like oh yeah, you think you're gonna cheap shot me? You, you're not doing that to me. I'm going to give you a cross check, or I'm going to stick you or slash you. You're, I'm going to chop you across the wrist. And meanwhile, we're watching Toronto. Holy man. I mean, it's... You know what's funny is the one guy everyone's saying, and I've seen this on social media, I've been asked about it on radio, everyone's saying, oh, the changes for the Leafs this summer probably just fire the coach and trade William Nylander. That guy... He's been their best guy. He's the only one who has any fire. He's their best guy. Like, I'm watching. And he's the best value relative to cap. That's crazy. All right. uh, Explain to our listeners where you were last night, Frank. So I was sequestered in a room in Secaucus, New Jersey, which uh, I would say is uh, not the most scenic place I've ever been. I was at the NHL Network Studios. Uh, in a very small room where the NHL draft lottery itself, the actual ping pong balls portion of it, was held. So uh, I walked in, they took my phone, and I was sequestered for about two hours, couldn't leave, couldn't communicate with the outside world, um, and got to, in exchange, watch and witness firsthand um, the actual lottery process itself. Uh, it was fascinating. It was way more intense than I ever would have realized. Um, Why? I really enjoyed. What made it like, intense? It's intense because, well, first off, there's all these like it's a very surgical precision protocol. Like everything has everything happens in a set order. There's a certain time for everything. Uh, it's all sort of very. You know, think of it like a like the coronation. If you watched any of that over the weekend with King Charles, like you, everything happens at an exact moment in time, so to speak, sort of like that. Yeah. And um, which is, I think, befitting of the next Prince of Hockey and Connor Bedard. And y- you know, the intensity comes in once the first three balls come out of the shoot. So when you look at at the way that it unfolded on Monday night, um, the first balls out of the chute were 5, 13, and 4. And so in front of me, I'm sitting there with a a sheet that has 1,001 different combinations that are all assigned to a different team based on the odds. Yeah. And so... As it's happening, the balls are, are pulled at, at exact 20-second intervals. And I'm sitting there on my, you know, right in front of me on the sheet trying to, you know, figure out what the permutations are. Like, who is actually in the mix on this last ball? What are the possibilities for Connor Bedard to go to? And when you think of the balls floating in the air at that exact moment in time, if you've ever thought about you know, any sort of lottery, whether it's here in the U.S., the mega millions as it gets to a billion dollars, which in parentheses, our lotteries are way better than yours, um, with the exception <laughs> of your, uh, your 50-50 there at, at Euler Games. Which destroys uh, everybody. Yes. Um, but to think about all the different effects that that last ball has on not just one franchise, but then the other couple that didn't, get the player 
Connor Bedard himself and where he's going to be living and playing all the other ancillary pieces that might come to like you guys have all lived it in Edmonton. Yes, we have David. Yes. And just, just about the interest level of not just the Oilers franchise and the relevance of it, but also like how many people were flocking to come to Edmonton and you know, after that happened, hundred percent, how much did it change the perception of everything? And so as that's happening, that's what's going through my mind just thinking about all that's to come next. And there's nothing in said in the room. It's silent except for the, the whir of this machine running. And to think about how intense that is, like you could cut the air in that room with a knife. It was really cool to be in there. Now you uh, know some people in the Hawks organization. Uh, we're seeing reports. I know some people in every organization. Yes, you know some people in every organization. How much of a financial impact has it already made for Chicago in season tickets? Oh, it's just in the first 90 minutes last night after Connor Bedard landed, it was $2.5 million in new ticket sales. So 500 uh, full season ticket sales uh, took place in those first 90 minutes. And uh, I haven't gotten an updated counter today. My guess is it's somewhere around at least $10 million already. Yeah. Um, Well... I mean, he's. He, I think he's Marcel Dion. That's who I think he is. Quick hitter for you, bit of a curveball. Uh, the New York Rangers fired Gerard Gallant. We talked last week about uh, do the Calgary Flames go with a, a younger voice, a guy like Mitch Love or uh, Ryan Huska. I know that Kirk Muller was the associate with Daryl Sutter. Uh, they, they, there was on back-to-back days, two different guys out of the New York Post wrote about Chris Knobloch, who's uh, you know a guy I've known for 25 years now. Uh, he's 44 years of age. He'd be an atypical Rangers hire. Should we read anything to that, that the New York Post, Larry Brooks, and another writer back-to-back days uh, put stories out on Knobloch? Uh, yeah, well, first off, Larry Brooks is really good at his job and is well-connected with the Rangers, so yes. Um, it's going to be really interesting because I think – there's no doubt, zero doubt in my mind that Chris Knobloch is well qualified. And it's not just the experience that he's had in Hartford uh, these last number of years as head coach of their AHL team. It's also the really short little experience he got when David Quinn, I think, had COVID. Yep. Uh, they won in a blowout. He has experience as an assistant coach with the Flyers. He's won uh, championships in two different major junior leagues. Um, he has checked just about every box on the resume that you possibly could. And I, you know, you heard me talk about it last week with Mitch Love. I've been advocating for guys to get their shot because not to take anything away from the retreads or the guys that have been out there, the Bruce Boudreaux and the Peter Laviolettes and, and whoever might be there. Those, you can always get those guys. But how do you get the next John Cooper, the next Jay Woodcroft, the next. Uh, Jared Bednar you have to develop from within you have to give them an opportunity someone has to give them their first chance at some point or else you never know now all that said I'm not actually convinced that the Rangers in their spot (laughs) with a team that's gone to the conference final and has championship aspirations and, and expectations 
turns the reins over to a coach that doesn't have experience. Yeah, I, I'm, to me, it's going to be really interesting because they talked about a lack of structure and process in their game. Well, that's something Knobloch could bring. I mean, he breeds offensive coach, uh, offensive confidence in his players. Does that's he what, collaborate? That's the big thing that they're trying to fix. Yes, is that Gerard Gallant is stubborn. He gets results, but he doesn't want to hear from anyone as he's doing it. And that's why his stay, although successful in a number of different markets, has been very short. Well, Frank, we appreciate you collaborating with us here on Orders Now for our friends at Horse Race in Alberta. And we'll talk on Friday before Game 5, okay? Looking forward to it. There you go. That is Frank Saravalli for the horses and horse racing Alberta live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. This is Oilers Now. All right, a quick text from Controversial Hell on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. The timing of those missed calls combined with the timing of the hymen injuries, what killed us or more accurately, killed our start. NHL officials manage and influence the game and therefore series by quote-unquote missing calls, amongst other things. I wish they would officiate like they do in football, where a penalty is a penalty, no matter what the score is. Why aren't they made to do so? That comes to us from Batman or question mark Batman. Um, and there you go. So I... I Tend to agree. Look, the orders were not good enough. They need to play way better. They need to play through that. It's a balancing act, but you shouldn't be penalized for having a good power play. And there were two very sketchy non-calls, and both players were compromised the rest of the game. Both Hyman and Bouchard struggled after the uh, and and the end result is the orders were bad from the opening faceoff. Nurse and Cece had a real rough night. Bouchard and Eckholm, as the game went on, struggled. The orders' home plate coverage in front of their goal was egregious. Skinner gave up a bad third goal. The gang couldn't shoot straight offensively. Lots did not go right. But they get on the power play with six and a half minutes left in the period one-one. After being outplayed for a six or seven minute stretch, and they score, is it a different game? We'll never know. Off to a global news weather traffic update, then you. We're going to open up the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We'll go interactive for a half hour. Randy, up next, global news weather traffic.